Well, listen, I am finishing up a two-week teaching sabbatical that normally is in July. It's normally four weeks every year that I take off from the pulpit to refresh. Didn't do that this year for obvious reasons. We were in the middle of a, of a sermon series that I felt like God wanted us to continue on. I pushed that to this month, and I thought, I'm not, I can't do four weeks. I just can't do it. Not in this season. And so I did two weeks, and this is the second week. And next Sunday, I know, I know, I know. Pastor, why are you starting a series on fall break? Are you crazy? Yes, but I'm going to do it anyway. So if you're going out of town for fall break, go out on Sunday afternoon. It won't kill you. And come back next Saturday so you can be there the following week. We're going to start a new series called Parables, Snapshots of the Kingdom. And I'm looking for, I've already got the first message pretty much written. I'm excited about it. Please come and be a part of that. But today I am so excited to introduce uh, just a moment, Pastor Joel Leggett. He is no stranger here as far as to our young people. He's preached here before. God has laid it on his heart to plant a church in Gwinnett County in the Lawrenceville area. And to plant a church takes guts and faith in perfect conditions. But plant a church in a pandemic takes great faith or either you're crazy. And in the early service, he said both. So I'm very excited for them. Remind me of your name. You, Tiffany, Joel and Tiffany. Um, would you give it up right now for Joel as he comes to bring the word of God? This is a great young man. Going to do great things for the kingdom of God. I'll meet you over here. Come on, somebody. New Life, how are you? Are you excited to be in the house of God this morning? New Life Church. Oh, come on. We can do better than that. We can do better than that. Let's give him praise, adoration. Let's give him the praise and the glory that he desires. Come on, church, man. Wow. What an absolute honor and a privilege it is to be with you, New Life family, this morning. Um, like I said in the earlier service, I believe that we are noticing what an absolute privilege and honor it is to worship and gather together in these days. Because over the last six months or so, we have been so separated and isolated. We're actually using the word socially distancing from one another. And, um, and God has created us for community. He has created us for relationship for one another, and we were not designed, we were not wired to be separate for one, for one another. So what an honor and a privilege it is to be in the house of God this morning. It's not something that I take lightly. Wow, so excited. Pastor Allen, thank you for having me. What an honor and a privilege it is to be here. And um, I remember when I first started preaching, I'm a fourth generation pastor's kid. Come on, somebody, like you said, you got to be crazy and have good faith. And, uh, and uh, I remember I preached my very first sermon. And uh, I said nothing about the pastor, and I said nothing about the church. And, <laughs> and my dad pulled me down into my old grandfather's study. He said, son, I want you to understand something. He said, you always give honor to the man and woman of God of the house for they, they, because they laid the foundation for you to be able to be there. So I just want to make some noise to Pastor Allen and his wife. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. And yes, yes. If you've got a Bible this morning, church, go with me to Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes, that's a hard one to say, chapter 11 verses one through six. This is a part of the Bible that you never go to. Come on, somebody. So you might have to take your two fingers and pinch them pages from being stuck together. <laughs> a lot of y'all are like, I don't even know where that's at. Ecclesiastes chapter 11, 
verses 1 through 6. If you don't have a Bible, that's completely okay. We've got two, got three big screens that we're going to have it on. And we have this awesome teaching display as well. Ecclesiastes chapter 11, verses 1 through 6. And uh, these are the words of um, Solomon. Solomon is all of one of the richest men that we've ever seen, one of the most blessed, one of the most wisest men that we see in all of the Bible. And these are his words. Ecclesiastes chapter 11, verses 1 through 6. And when you get this, say, I'm there. I'm there. I'm there. Y'all can do better than that. Say, I'm there. I'm there. Now, 11.15, you, you look, this is a late service. So you slept already. You got, you got your nap, extra nap in this morning. Look, come on, let's do this thing. Ecclesiastes chapter 11, verses 1 through 6. This is reading out of the New Living Translation. It says this church, it says, send your grain across the seas. And in time, and in time, profits will flow back to you. But divide your investments among Many places for you do not know what risk might lie ahead. Says when clouds are heavy, the rains come down. Whether a tree falls north or south, it stays where it falls. Farmers who wait. It's going to be important today, church. Farmers who wait for perfect weather. Never plant. Farmers who wait for perfect weather never plant. If they watch every cloud, come on somebody, they never harvest. Farmers who wait. Verse 5 says, just as you cannot understand the path of the wind or the mystery of a tiny baby growing in this mother's womb, So you cannot understand the activity of God who does all things. So you cannot understand the activity of God who does what church? All things. All things. Verse 6 says, plant your seed in the morning and keep busy all afternoon. For you don't know if profit will come from one activity or another. Or maybe both. I want to title today's message, Check on What You Planted. I want you to look at your neighbor and say, Check on What You Planted. If that neighbor had no faith at all, look at your other one and say, Check on, (laughs) Check on What You Planted. Let's pray. God and Father, we thank you right now for who you are. God, I thank you for this word that is perfect that it never leads us astray. God, I thank you for choosing me, an imperfect vessel, to bring forth your holy and precious and perfect word. God, to be honest with you, every time I preach, I don't know what I'm doing, God, but it is you who knows what they're doing. Holy Spirit, let your word, let your influence, your wisdom, God, who you are, fill us in this place. God, you know what your children need this morning, and I don't. So, God, let it land on our hearts where we're hurting. Let let it land on our hearts where we're angry. Let it land on our hearts where we're depressed. Let it land on our hearts where we're anxious, where we're weary this morning. God, let your word encourage us and strengthen us today. God, this world is enough. So, Holy Spirit, will you make this moment precious like no other? Lord, we love you and we thank you. 
And it's in Jesus' name we say, amen, 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 amen. Today, I want to take a few moments to remind someone of the seed that you planted into the ground and forgotten about. I want to talk about that dream that you threw out because you believe that you don't have the time anymore. I want to talk to the young person this morning who might have dropped out of high school and they're afraid to go back and get their GED because of life took over. I want to talk to that future husband or that future wife that you were believing God for, but some person came in your life and broke your heart, so you've given up on love. I want to talk to that mom who's miscarried a baby, and she's given up on hope, and she's given up on bearing a child. I want to talk to that couple who has been believing to adopt a child, but the court system has let you down, so you've given up on the seed of adoption. I want to talk to somebody who's been wanting to start that business or write that book that you've wanted to start, but someone told you that you were too old and it's too late and it's a dumb idea. Can I just tell somebody this morning, New Life, can I just tell you today that your seed is in the ground and God sees it, but it's just thirsty for time. It's thirsty for water. It's thirsty for prayer. It's thirsty for some faith. It's thirsty for some attention. Hear me. It's not that your seed is dead. The problem is that the farmer has just hasn't been paying it attention anymore. Let's be real right now. Giving up on your seed is a difficult thing. Giving seed attention isn't very fun when there is no immediate manifestation and when there is no immediate movement. But in order for a seed to sprout, the seed needs to leave the farmer's hand. That's you and I. The amazing thing about a seed is that the power of the seed has the power to change a farmer's life when the soil has been cultivated properly. Uh, A seed could multiply into a harvest or a seed could be choked up by the sun, but a seed is lonely without the farmer. I remember just two years ago, my wife and I were on a plane. We were headed back from Oklahoma City to Austin, Texas, and we received a text message that would forever change our life. We received a text message that would forever change our life and our hearts and our minds of what God was doing. And um, our birth mom texted us and told us that she was having a baby on a Thursday and it was a Tuesday. And she wanted to know if we were still open to adopting him. And I know in that moment, um, I wish I could write this perfect book and tell you this perfect story. And I know in that moment, um, normally you would say, oh, yes, God, let's do it. We heard you. And to be completely honest with you in that moment, I told my wife, tell her no. I said, tell her no, because that's just too risky. That's just too um, out of nowhere. That's just too crazy for us. We're both working full time. We've got a three-bedroom house. Come on, somebody. We're already putting our son through private school. What are we going to do with the baby with no equipment, with no room, with no nothing? And my wife looked at me at baggage claim, and she told me, you know it's God because it came out of nowhere. And I, and I literally remember that moment. I literally was telling her no. And when she went to the bathroom, I got down on my knees at baggage claim and I begged God for clarity. I begged God to show me something, to show me, to say, Lord, is this you? Is this something that you want us to do? I wasn't quite sure about it. I was a little bit fearful. I didn't really know what was going to happen in that moment because it was just too uncertain for me. But but and my and my and my fear and my heart just began to take over me. And I just wasn't ready for what God was doing in that moment. But truth be told, New Life Church, it wasn't fear that took over me. I just gave up on the seed of adoption that I once believed in. I gave up on the seed that we planted into the ground because it did not produce the fruit that I wanted it to when I wanted it to. So I gave up on that seed. 
dropped that seed into the ground and walked away from it and never returned to see what God was doing with it again. To be honest with you, the moment our adoption video went online and our campaign went online and I thought that millions of people would see our cute little family and they would thought my wife was awesome. My son was swinging on the place and I thought that they would all log online and they would give us thousands of dollars and we would adopt a baby in no time. Yeah, right. We know that's not how it went. I thought that people would give and it would just happen instantaneously for us and it would just happen. And, and, but what I did not know in that moment, moment that when nobody gave, Man, they offered up their prayers for rain when we needed it. They offered prayers for finances and for God to move when we needed it. So we told our son Carson the very next day about the miracle that God had brought in our life. And we hopped up on a plane without an ounce of baby equipment, without a drip of baby formula, just believing that God was going to do something. We got to the hospital and our birth mom, she pushed him out and come on somebody. It was a different experience for me. And uh, she handed him to us. And, and I remember crying over him and weeping over him and man, thanking God for what he has done in this moment. And we held him in our arms. And in that moment, uh, we went on Facebook Live and we told people about it. And could you believe in that moment when we told everybody about what God has done, man, people begin to give hundreds of dollars far and wide in between so that we could actually finish our adoption journey. Church. A seed that I had given up on began to sprout when I gave it prayer, when I gave it time, when I gave it faith, when I gave it some attention. Solomon says to send your grain across the seas and in time, profits will flow back to you. The problem we encounter with the seed is that it takes time to produce fruit. And many of us shout, well, we ain't got time for that when, in fact, you need to find the time because if you don't, you'll be waiting for an imaginary harvest in your mind. Many seminary professors believe that Solomon was referring to a shipping venture that required patience for the return of an investment. This whole idea that it was that it was wise and it was good to work for a return that cannot immediately be seen. The amazing thing about this portion of scripture is showing us that time will always show how much we really want something. (laughs) But even when you really want something, time can break you down when there is no patience. I knew that God was calling us to adopt. I had a vision. I had a plan. my, My mind was filled with faith, but my heart lacked desire for the process. Come on, somebody. And many of us this morning have seeds that are planted all over the ground that are dying because our process lacks a desire. I remember reading an article when I was studying for this, and it says that farming is hard work. Go figure. (laughs) Clever title. One farmer said, farming feels great when things are going smoothly. I bet. You know how it goes. God gives you a vision. You got your hand lifted in worship. Pastor Allen tells you breakthrough is coming. You might write that down on your connect card, submit a prayer request online, put it in your drawer, pray over it, believe that God's going to do something with you. You're pretty encouraged, right? It's going to happen. You ask God for a plan. You take a step. You find some good soil. You place it into the ground. You're done. Smooth farming. But another farmer said when a crop busts or when the workload weighs a ton, it's easy to feel despaired. In other words, when your seed gets challenged, when your when your hands begin to hurt and your vision begins to get cloudy and there is no rain for your seed, farming becomes a headache and no longer a faith filled desire. So we're done with it now. Oh, I'm done with that. But in order New Life Church to reap a harvest, you first you have to stay faithful to the workload. You have to stay faithful to the workload. 
And, and the problem many of us have is that when the work gets hard, we move to the next seed expecting for a different outcome. Well, I had a seed this time that didn't really work out. So I got another one. So maybe this time my faithfulness can be a little bit lighter to this seed. Well, maybe it's going to sprout different this time. Well, maybe God's going to send more rain than he did last time. Well, maybe this is going to work out, hoping that the harvest will be plentiful with one foot in, hoping that the harvest will be plentiful with this foot in, hoping that this time the harvest will just be instant. Hoping that because the, the work is different, it'll be light this time. We're hoping that there will be no tears when we plant this time. We're hoping that there will be no headache, that there will be no sweat, all because the seed this time is different. I love what the psalmist says in Psalm 126, verse 5 through 6. It says, those, this is good, church, those who plant in tears will harvest with shouts of joy. Verse 6 says, they weep as they go to plant their seed, but this is good. Come on, somebody. But they sing as they return with the harvest. The scripture is telling us loud and clear that you will have to work through some pain, that you will have to plant with some tears. The scripture is saying that tears will be a part of this journey, that tears and heartache will be a part of the things that God calls you to New Life Church. But you got to keep working. You got to keep believing and sowing and your shouts will be greater than any tear you've ever dropped in your life. If you just stay dedicated to the seed church, hear me, it's it's hard to appreciate a blessing. It's hard to appreciate a harvest when it's simply just been given to you. I know in the church world we say favor ain't fair, but hear me loud and clear, church. Favor ain't never hit nobody before a tear fell from their face. Favor just don't hit you out of nowhere without any work, without any planting. There's been many a times where God has entrusted me with something and I didn't protect it. There's been times when I begin to see a harvest sprout, but it scared me to death. So I ran and never came back to check on what it was that God was doing. Hear me, church. God grew exactly what it is that I had to faith for. But the workload was too much for Joel Leggett. So I walked away from it. And many of us this morning right now have a seed, have a dream, have a vision, have a hope that's been blessed by God. But we're too afraid to put it into the ground because of the workload that comes with it. This Bible says that they weep as they go plant their seed. They weep as they go plant their seed. They're hurting when they go plant their seed. It's hard when they go plant their seed, but they sing as they return with the harvest. Hear me, nobody said that you wouldn't be tired. Come on, somebody, when you planted the seed. (laughs) Nobody said that your kids wouldn't be off the chain at school when you planted the seed. Nobody said your husband was going to be acting up and he was going to be doing all of the dishes when you planted the seed. Come on, somebody. Nobody didn't. Nobody claimed that you wouldn't be overwhelmed when you planted the seed. Nobody claimed that life would be perfect when you planted it. No matter the season or no matter the emotion, if God has given you the seed, plant it, work through it, and believe that you will be singing when you return to the harvest church. Come on, somebody. We can do better than that. You got to believe in the seed. You got to let it go. And the problem many of us encounter is that We visualize things in our mind that are not from God and they will never happen. So we don't plant the seed. I love what he says. He says that when clouds are heavy. The rains come down, whether a tree falls north or south, it stays where it falls. 
Farmers who wait for perfect weather never plant. If they watch every cloud, they never harvest. Solomon is saying if you're waiting for the perfect time, you will never plant the seed. Come on, somebody. If you're waiting for the perfect promotion, you'll never plant the seed. If you're waiting for the right house, you'll never plant the seed. If you're waiting for the right amount of finances, you'll never plant the seed. If you're waiting for COVID-19 to be over, you'll never plant the seed. If you never invest in this relationship, you'll never plant the seed. If you're waiting on this thing to happen, you'll never plant the seed. If you're waiting for this thing and that thing to connect, you'll never plant the seed. You'll never plant it. If you're waiting for the perfect political temperature, you'll never plant the seed. If you're waiting for the perfect thing to happen and connect, you'll never plant the seed. Some of y'all have been hanging on to the same seed for years. Believing that someday it's just going to magically fall out of your hand and onto the ground and produce a harvest. Watch this. The dangerous thing about a seed is that when it's stored properly, it could last for years. As I've done my research on this, I've realized that some varieties of seeds have been known to sprout as long as after 16 years. After 16 years being stored properly, properly. And many of us have been walking around with the vision. Many of us have been walking around with the God idea. Many of us have been walking around with the hope. Many of us have been walking around with the dream. Many of us have been walking around with the business. Come on, somebody. Many of us have been walking around with the book. Many of us have been walking around with this ministry idea all while the seed is dying in your hand. And God is saying, let it go and trust me. Because when God starts a good work within you, he finishes what he started. But you got to let the seed out of your hand. Which brings to the point number two is this is if you're serious about the harvest, the seed must leave your hand. If you're serious about the dream, if you're serious about the vision, if you're serious about your calling, the seed must leave your hand. Hear me, church. A seed is incapable of doing anything as long as you are holding on to it. The farmer could have the best, most wildest, outlandish, elaborate plan. He could have the dopest John Deere tractor on the coolest wheels and tires that they are. Come on, somebody. He could have the the fanciest Carhartt waiters there are. He could have some of the best farm hands around town. But until your seed is planted into the earth, it is just a fantasy in your mind. Church, you. You got to let the seed go. Somebody say, I got to let the seed go. I got to let the seed go. I got to let the seed go. Believe that in faith and say, I got to let the seed go. I got to let the seed go. I got to let the seed go. There is nothing worse than when you can't let the seed go because of insecurity. Well, God, well, what's going to happen this time when I let the seed go? Well, what's going to happen when well, what, what are people going to say about me when the, when the harvest is coming this time? Well, what are they going to say about me when the harvest is this high and the harvest is this high? People are going to say, well, you walk, you ran away from your responsibilities last time. You can't take care of that. You're incapable of taking care of what God brought you. Well, what about the last time you ran from it? Well, what about the last time you chopped your harvest down because you were scared and you were angry? Hear me. God wants you to know that it's not about what you've done, but he wants you to be faithful to what's in your hand right now. Not in six months, not next week, not in a year from now, but he wants you to let the seed go. What's in your hand right now? Because if he didn't want you to be faithful to it, 
If he didn't want you to have it, church, then he would not have given it to you in the first place. And many of us hold tight to the seed because we can't make sense of the desire, because we can't make sense of the calling. So we do nothing with the seed. And the unfortunate thing about it is some of us will go down to the grave, going right to heaven with the same seed in our hand. With the seed in your hand, when God is saying, let it go and trust me and I'll show you along the way. One of my favorite scriptures in all of the Bible, I learned it when I was a little kid, is Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 through 6. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your understanding and all your ways. Submit to him and he will make your path straight. Come on, somebody. When you let the seed go, trust in the Lord. Not with just a piece of your heart, not with just half of your heart, but with all of it. Because there's nothing worse than planting a seed that you don't even believe that God is going to do something with anyway. And when you plant it, forget about what you understand and trust that God is speaking over what you planted into the earth. Solomon is saying it. Well, if trusting in God is true, then it must be complete. Because to put have trust in God, have trust in something else or have trust in this church is really failure to trust the Lord at all. So when the seed leaves your hand, not only are you planting it, but you're also submitting all of your trust to the only one who can make it grow. Hear me. Hear me. It's hard to it's hard for something to grow when you don't trust the one who created the seed that you have. If I can be real with you, I've I found myself many a times trusting the seed more than the creator of it. (laughs) And what happens is, is I, I, I see the potential of what can be. And I try my best to make something happen. Oh, come on, somebody. You know how it goes. Um, you hop on your computer real quick and you'll pad your resume and submit it to Indeed.com. Come on, somebody. Huh. You'll research on how to get blessed quick. You, you'll check your credit and figure out, well, what loan can I take out to open up this business? Or what I, who I can call to make this connection happen? Or who, can I, or who can I try to make a relationship with that's in a high place that can make something happen for me? And when it's all said and done, we find ourselves doing the wrong things and we find ourselves farther from the harvest than when we ever started. The scripture says, in all your ways, submit to him and he will make your paths straight. The problem is that we're just too busy trying to straighten out our own paths. I remember like it was yesterday while we were on the plane headed to Atlanta, headed here to get Hendrix. And in the midst of God doing something amazing. In the midst of God showing himself to be faithful. In the midst of God showing himself to be real I was trying to straighten out my own path, even in the midst of God doing what I asked him for. I still wanted to make I still wanted to make sense of what he was doing. I wanted to make sense of this miracle. If I can be completely open and honest and real with you this morning, I was in fear of being a black man raising a white child. It scared me to death. I wanted to make sense of that. Even though I knew that my relationship with my son would be a representation on heaven on earth, I was still scared half to death because this harvest, this seed, this blessing, this miracle looked different than everybody else's. 
My family will look different because of him. It would, it would challenge my faith. It would, it would stretch who I was. This harvest would challenge me to see the world differently. This harvest would challenge me to watch my mouth and check my heart when it came to race relations. This harvest would challenge me to be strong in Christ when people might stare at us. This harvest would challenge my marriage and it would challenge my parenting when I have to tell my oldest son to protect your brother. People say mean things to him. In that moment, I didn't realize that when God sent me a harvest that he was going to make me better through it. Which brings me to point number three is this is when God brings the harvest, you let him teach you. When God brings the harvest, you you let him teach you through it. Many of us will stay faithful to the workload. Many of us will have the faith to let the seed go and plant it. And when the harvest comes, we forget who sent the harvest and why it's there. Watch this. Everything that God does in our lives is meant to bring him the glory that he deserves. Everything that he does in our life. Come on, church. You can make some noise. that everything he does in our life is meant to bring him glory. And so often we're 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 celebrating the harvest and forgetting to thank the one who grows it. Don't get me wrong. We are to celebrate what God is doing, but never forget to learn from what he's done. One of my favorite stories in scripture is Luke chapter 17. Verse 11 through 19, it says, as Jesus continued on towards Jerusalem. It says that he reached the border between Galilee and Samaria. It says, as he entered a village there, 10 men, somebody say 10 men, 10 men with leprosy stood at a distance, crying out, Jesus, master, have mercy on us. 14 says, he looked at them and said, go show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed of their leprosy. One of them, somebody say one of them. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back to Jesus. Shouting, praise God. He fell to the ground at Jesus' feet, the Bible says, thanking him for what he had done. The Bible says that this man was a Samaritan, the most unlikely man to have come back to Jesus. Their cultural differences, they, they didn't even get along, they didn't even see eye to eye. But a Samaritan came back to thank Jesus for what he's done. Verse 17 says that Jesus asked, didn't I heal 10 men? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And Jesus said to the man, stand up and go. Your faith, your faith has healed you. Ten men were healed. But only one learned something. The other nine men ran away with their blessing and never returned. 
the most unlikely man came back because he understood that though he was excited about what Jesus did for him, he had something else to learn. And many of us, so many of us, hear me today, New Life Church, will have received a harvest with no change of heart. Receive the blessing with no heart change. Receive the blessing with no sanctification. Receive the blessing with no growth. Receive the blessing with a stale heart. Receive the blessing with no movement. Receive the blessing with no greater relationship with the one who gave it to you. What blessing, what good is a blessing if it doesn't make us more like Jesus? What good is it? Good for you? Good for the people around you? Good for your friends? Good for the people at your job? Good for the people that you can go on social media and show off to? What good is it if it doesn't make us more like Jesus? And Jesus said to the man, stand up and go for your faith has healed you. Ten men were healed, but only one was saved. I knew that my seed would, I knew that it would, I never knew that it would leave my hand and then be planted into the ground. It would sprout a harvest and my heart would be challenged. We often believe this lie that because we're blessed, we don't have to grow. Come on, somebody. I got the blessing. I'm just going to stay the same. And the danger, the danger, the problem with that is that when a heart becomes stale, it begins to die for the things of God. And the harvest that was meant to bless you, the harvest that was meant to grow you is now hurting you. And now... We're upset because the harvest that we got got now requires a devotion and a life change to the Lord. Because God loves you where you are, but he also loves you enough to not leave you there. When I look at our family, I, I realize that this journey won't always be easy. I realize that this journey is going to take faith. It's going to take prayers. It's going to take work to protect. It's going to take prayers late at night with my wife and I. It's going to take hard conversations with our children. It's going to take fasting. It's going to take reading the word of God for our marriage and our household to stay healthy. It'll take a new perspective as the world changes. But one thing I do know, New Life Church, is that man didn't send it to me. Is that the universe didn't give it to me. And what God gives and what God blesses and what God loves, he does not walk away from what he gave life to. 
And hear me loud and clear this morning. I don't know who this is for. He doesn't want you to walk away from your harvest either. Because if he called you to it, he'll see you through it. So if you're down today, if you're upset, if you're anxious, if you're depressed, if you are in a dark place and you've lost hope in your seed, if you've lost lost hope in your vision, if you've lost hope in the things of God that he's called you to, go back and check on what you planted. Because many a times, New Life Church, God is doing so much. He's doing so much. He's showing himself to be faithful in every single part of our lives. And we're just simply forgetting to look at what he's doing. Oh, because Pastor Joel, that just wasn't enough. I, I, I need to see a little bit more over here. I need to see a little bit more over there before I can do anything. God is saying, hey, will you just open up your eyes, son? Will you just open up your eyes, child of God? Will you just open up your eyes, daughter? I'm doing what you asked. I'm doing what you've had the faith for. I'm doing what you believed me for. But you just haven't checked on what you asked. This morning, I believe with everything in me that there's many of you this morning that have got a seed that's in your hand right now that is dying. Many of you this morning are holding on to a seed that has been in your heart, that's been in your head, that's been in your family, that's, that you guys have been holding on to, but you are just afraid to put it into the ground. If that's you this morning, will you just lift your hand so I can pray for you? I've got a seed in my hand that I've got to let go. You're not alone. Don't be afraid this morning. The enemy can't take it when you confess and when you're believing for the things of God. I don't know what your seed is this morning. I don't know what you're holding on to. I don't know what you're believing God for. But will you just plant that seed into the ground? That the moment that you leave here, that you don't lose faith, that you don't lose hope, that you plant that seed into the ground. God and Father, right now, you see every hand that's lifted. All of the seeds, the dreams, the hopes, the visions, the callings that your children are holding on to, that they've got their hands lifted to you this morning. Holy hands lifted across this place, believing that you are going to do something with the seed that they've got. That seed of adoption, that seed of marriage. The seed of that business, that book, that child that you believe in God for, that husband, that wife, that home, those finances, that car, that need, that dream, that thing that you've been holding on to since you were a child, that seed that you're holding on to. God, will you bless it right now? Will you give it vision? Will you give it clarity? Will you anoint that seed, God? Will you give them plans of grandeur that can only come from you, God? Wisdom that can only come from you. Faith that can only come from you. Healing that can only come from you. Clarity that can only come from you. Because the moment that we walk out of this building today, the enemy is going to tell you that's a dumb idea. Don't you do that, son. Don't you do that. Lady, don't you do that. In the name of Jesus right now, may God's voice be louder than anybody else's. In the name of Jesus. Will you bless that seed? Will you bless that dream? 
For Jesus, you are the hope of the world. More than a conqueror. God, we thank you for who you are. God, we thank you for the vision. We thank you for the seed. We thank you for the blessing. Though we might not see it now, we know that you're working. We know that you're working. We know that you're working. God, your promise still stands because great is your faithfulness. Let them lean not onto their own understanding, but to yours. In Jesus' name. With every eye closed, every head bowed right now. You might have came into new life this morning. You might have stumbled in. You might have saw the church sign. A friend might have invited you. You said, Pastor Joel, I heard you saying that the harvest was going to make me more like Jesus. You might have came in this morning and said, man, I, I've, been, I've been trying to church out. I, I've been wanting to start a relationship with Jesus. And I just could not make that commitment just, just yet. If that's you, will you just lift your hand and say, man, Pastor Joel, today I want to start a brand new relationship with Jesus Christ. There's no greater moment. And Jesus will give you a greater purpose, though it won't be easy. But I tell you what, I'd rather have Jesus leading my life than anybody else's. Well, Pastor Joel, man, I just don't know about this whole faith thing. I, I don't know if I really believe in Jesus, but you believe in the wind. You believe in Wi-Fi, right? And you can't see it? Come on, somebody. Say, Pastor Joel, that's me. I want to give my life to Jesus this morning. Yes. I see that hand lifted. All of eternity spent with the Father. God, would you give him a greater purpose, greater desire for the things that you have for him? Set him on a new path this morning. God, we thank you for the hand that's raised. All of, all of the kingdom of God is celebrating that decision right now. All of heaven is rejoicing. Heaven is singing songs of praise. The angels are saying, holy, holy, holy. The Lord God Almighty. All of heaven is rejoicing for that amazing decision, that life decision that you made today. God, we thank you for the gift of salvation. We thank you for the miracle of salvation. God, that a spotless, sinless man came into the world to save us. While we were yet still sinners, God, you came for us. For the wages of our sin is death, but the free gift of God. Eternal life through Christ Jesus. Lord, we love you. We thank you right now. 